Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ineligible Man Downfield Podcast, Episode 6. I'm your host, Chris Golian, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about if the NFL playoffs started today, what would that look like? Who's in the hunt? Who's on the edge? And who's got things pretty much locked up? We're also going to talk college football, a big matchup this weekend as Ohio State and Indiana do battle. Both teams undefeated. Both teams ranked within the top 10, Ohio State number three, Indiana number nine, respectively. College football once again taking on COVID-19 as 12 games, as of the recording of this podcast, have been canceled, so we'll discuss that. Also getting to some of this weekend's matchups in both the NFL and college football. Talk a little action as well, because our guy Dustin Crum had a really great game. And a whole lot more. So let's get it started. College football against COVID-19. So last week, double-digit games. You had three teams within the top five of the top 25 rankings that didn't play. Unfortunately, one of those teams will repeat this week as Texas A&M had their game postponed against Ole Miss. They had their game postponed last week as well. Miami Hurricanes are postponed against Georgia Tech. Marshall has been postponed. Texas, Kansas has been postponed. University of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, postponed. Duke, Wake Forest, Houston, SMU, University of Louisiana, Monroe, and Louisiana Tech, UNLV, Colorado State, Navy and USF, and Arizona State and Colorado. All those games, as well as Maryland and Michigan State, that game being postponed earlier today. I think it's worth looking into what the protocols are, what teams are doing, and I think a lot of these programs maybe need to have honest conversations with their athletes. I certainly can appreciate and understand that it takes a a great deal of discipline to kind of just stay home and go to practice and go to class. A lot of these universities are using a hybrid model for class, and so some are in person, some days are online, and that type of a thing. Uh, I'm not sure whatever university's policy is, but I'd be willing to guess that the majority of them are doing some sort of combination of those things. But right now, this pandemic is is kind of reaching another level, and so I think some dramatic steps need to be taken because we are double-digit games, canceled, postponed, whatever you want to call it. The past couple of weeks in college football, the problem is not getting any better. It's getting worse. I'm not sure if if the NCAA is stepping in, if conference commissioners stepping in, I, I think they would be the biggest ones. The NCAA doesn't hold as much power in those types of rules, rules and regulation setting as people think they do. I think some of these conference commissioners need to you know, have some sort of meeting of the minds and, and redraft these types of protocols and whatever rules they're following and, and somehow need to kind of you know crank down the reins a little bit. I don't want to go as far as to say, oh, they shouldn't be playing at all. There seems to be a, a large a large part of college football right now that are able to successfully get off games. I mean, right now it's affected everyone. Every conference is struggling with it, and ultimately everyone is losing out on it. And so maybe a, a reimagining of what, what these rules and regulations are is what's in order. As we transition to on-the-field action, Talk about last week, I think I only gave you one betting tip that was worth anything. Um, I said to take the over in the Cincinnati-East Carolina football game. I think everything else I said failed miserably. But I'll have a few more suggestions, and, and that's what they are, suggestions. 
maybe go opposite of what I have to say this week. We'll see how that works out. So one of one for three, I believe, as I said, three different sort of betting tips. One for three, not great. Despite the cancellations, a pretty exciting college football weekend on the docket. I mentioned it in the preview to today's show. Number nine, Indiana, taking on Ohio State in Columbus at the Fanless Horseshoe. Came out yesterday that now friends and family are also not welcome, so there will be absolutely no one, and hopefully they keep those camera angles tight because it is just strange. It was hard seeing some of these NFL stadiums empty, but these college stadiums empty is going to be something else. I mean, and they were next to it with just family and friends in attendance, but now they are truly empty, just the teams on the field. But back to the on-the-field matchup, Indiana and Ohio State. Who would have ever thought that that would be a marquee matchup? I mean, you want to talk about 2020 for you. Uh, the Indiana Hoosiers in football are a top-10 team in, in taking on Ohio State. I like the matchup. I think the Hoosiers present an interesting challenge for Ohio State, mostly from the standpoint of Indiana's defense against Ohio State's offense. This offensive line unit was looked to be one of the better ones in college football going into the season. They get Wyatt Davis back because he said he wasn't going to play and was going to declare for the draft, but decides to play anyway. And this unit hasn't been very impressive. The Buckeyes have struggled to run the football. Now, granted, they are replacing J.K. Dobbins, and that's no easy thing to do, but averaging, I believe, a little over... Two, two and a half yards a carry, not very great. You've seen teams be able to get to Justin Fields in the limited competition that they face this season. And obviously that's, that's the catalyst to this football team, Justin Fields. He's performing unbelievably this year, despite less than stellar protection all the time. And keep in mind, this is a raised bar because Ohio State generally has very good offensive lines. And this unit's been okay. But I think Indiana and the way that they they approach defense and the way that they approach blitzing, more importantly, they're a little bit more methodical in the fact that they, they're very good at timing up different things and sending guys from strange angles and strange places, putting the offensive line in a deficit in the position that they don't see the blitzer coming and these guys come in unblocked or it's too late once you do notice them and they come in essentially unblocked and maybe somebody gets a hand on them. But the issue is, and it's not that Ohio State's defense has been great, but you're going to need Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback for Indiana, to have the best game of his life in order to get this team in the position to win this football game. And with there being no fans at all, I think that makes it a little bit easier for somebody like Indiana it would be very strange to play a game in the horseshoe with no fans at all, especially for some of these Buckeyes who are very much accustomed to full stadiums. And for a game like this, which usually has a tremendous atmosphere, I think it's a really close game. I think Indiana finds a way to be the thorn in Ohio State's side, but I think the Buckeyes prevail. It's a battle-tested unit, and more importantly, it's a battle-tested quarterback. Justin Fields is the most important thing. When you have a quarterback with the capabilities that he has, you are always in a position to win. And Ohio State has talent all over the field in a defense that's had their struggles at times this season. I mean, and keep in mind, like I said, this is all relative. Ohio State's a good football team. They are fully deserving of the number three ranking that they have. Some would argue even higher. 
but they are definitely a top four team. And so because of that and their experience in these big games, Indiana doesn't have that. These guys don't have those experiences, and that matters. So in the end, I'll take the Buckeyes. Right now, they're favored by 20 points. I would take Indiana in that one. I think the Hoosiers keep it a lot closer than a 20-point loss. There's my tip there. Take Indiana plus 20.5 in that game. Another good game to watch out for this weekend, Iowa State is taking on Kansas State. Kansas State has had their ups and downs this season, but so has Iowa State. And so I, I think in the Big 12, you're always susceptible to these tough matchups with both teams showing some inconsistencies this year, but being able to play tough and, and pulling off their own sort of upsets, if you will. I think you gotta, you've got to tune into that one at 4 o'clock. It'll be on Fox. The other Big 12 matchup, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma State ranked 14th, Oklahoma ranked 18th. I think that'll be another interesting game. Uh, kind of a strange Oklahoma team, and an even stranger Oklahoma State team. Had a lot more hype coming into the season, and it just really hasn't delivered. Played a couple of really strange close games, but I definitely will be tuning into those ones. I talked about it already, but with Texas A&M getting delayed another week, it really takes out a lot of momentum that they had and any potential bid for the college football playoff missing these past two weeks, uh, given a little bit of shuffling going on with Clemson losing in that time. And unfortunate for the Aggies as they've been down for some time. And Jimbo Fisher finally has that program where they thought he would several years ago when he signed that giant contract to come over and coach the Aggies. A game I'm really looking forward to, 3.30 on Saturday. T number 10, Wisconsin taking on number 19, Northwestern. Wisconsin looked really good against Michigan. And I know that that's a Michigan team that's, they're not good. They're unimpressive. They're not good. I, I won't sugarcoat that one. But this Northwestern team is solid and they are like a lot of Northwestern teams. They play really great defense. They run the ball well. And I always love some Big Ten Saturday afternoon football. So that one's definitely circled on my schedule. And hey, everyone's got a last button on their remote. Also at 3.30, Cincinnati, the Bearcats, number seven, taking on UCF, another big game, a big hurdle in the American Athletic Conference. The Bearcats hopefully can keep this winning streak going and continue their bid to the college football playoff. Dustin Crum, the Kent State Golden Flashes, take home the wagon wheel on Tuesday night by a final score of 69-35, an offensive shootout. Dustin Crum is 22 of 25 for 348 yards and three touchdowns in the game through the air. He also rushed for three touchdowns. So way to represent the show, way to represent the flashes, and way to, t way to go taking home that wagon wheel that isn't as heavy as it looks. Finally learned if the wagon wheel was as heavy as it looks, and it, it's not too bad. I'm sure it got even lighter after a performance like that, so congratulations to Kent State. Keeping the wagon wheel in Kent, that's one part of what Dustin said the team's goal was this season. They wanted to keep that wagon wheel, and they want to be in a position to win a MAC championship game and go to another bowl game. And right now, they are right in position for all of those things. They got the wagon wheel. They're 3-0 for the first time since 1958, and hopefully well on their way to a MAC championship and a very nice bowl game. So we'll keep you updated on the flashes throughout the season, as well as the Mid-American Conference in general. But that was a really big standout performance, a game that was all kinds of offense. I believe in the second quarter of that game, both teams were just exchanging big scoring plays. 
It was unbelievable. Kent State made some second-half adjustments, specifically in the running game. Man, Dollard for Akron. Unbelievable running back. Had a really, really, really great game. Unfortunately, just didn't have enough, and they kind of shut him down in the second half, and he was what was carrying that Akron offense most of that first half. That'll wrap up our college football talk, and we'll get into the NFL. Week 11, and we'll start off with taking a look at if the playoffs started today, what that playoff picture looks like in the AFC and in the NFC. So we'll start in the NFC, where this season there's now seven playoff spots. There's only one team that will receive a First round bye. That team in the NFC as it stands today would be the 7-2 Green Bay Packers. The Saints would take up the two seed. The Arizona Cardinals would get the three seed. Philadelphia Eagles would get the four seed. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers would round things out with at the five seed. Then the Rams in the sixth and the Seahawks capturing that final and seventh seed. On the bubble, the 500 Bears, the four and five Vikings, the 4-5 and five Lions, and the 4-6 and six San Francisco 49ers. The Seahawks have had a really tough couple of games. Russell Wilson turning the football over. Those defensive weaknesses are just being exposed to the, the nth degree. But they have a way to right the ship this evening. Thursday night football as they take on the Arizona Cardinals, who had to come up with a miraculous DeAndre Hopkins Hail Mary catch to defeat the Buffalo Bills last week. And while I believe the Cardinals are for real, I think they are a team that is still beatable. They are far from a sure thing. I think Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks need this one. The game is in Seattle. I think the Seahawks take this one. They find a way to have their own late game heroics and kind of get off this bad run that they've been on. Surprisingly enough, seeing the Rams in the mix of the playoffs, that NFC West is just a meat grinder of a division. The Bucks making a big statement in dismantling the Carolina Panthers this past weekend. After just an abysmal performance on Sunday Night Football, they have another primetime game coming up on Monday Night Football this week as the Bucks will take on the Rams. And I'm curious how that one will unfold. Much like any quarterback, pressuring Tom Brady is the best way to get him off of his game. And this year when he's been pressured a lot and hurried in the pocket, he has not looked like himself. The Rams have a, a pretty good ability to do that with whether it's Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers. They have the personnel to, to get that done. The NFC East, I mean, I, I talked about it a few weeks ago. They just stink. So it's who can luck themselves into this, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're a tough team. I think they're a well-coached team. Dealing with a lot of injuries, they're finally starting to get some of these guys back. Miles Sanders plays for them last week. They're getting healthier at the receiver position. I, I guess I could talk myself into the Eagles, but it's most they're, they're there because they have to be, not because they should. The Arizona Cardinals really been stepping up, taking first place in that NFC West division, which is, as I said, has been really tough this year. I think that they'll be dangerous in the playoffs. Their defense really coming up big. Patrick Peterson, a guy that I've always liked as a player, finally getting on a team that that has some big potential. Not to say that he's never been on a good team. There were some years there with Bruce Arians where the Cardinals were wheeling and dealing, but it's been a while. The Saints take a huge blow in the punctured lung injury with Drew Brees. I'm not sure what they're doing at quarterback if they have named a starter, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston. Either way, I don't think they're in a very good position right now. Defense is a little shaky. I mean, Alvin Kamara is one of the, the one of the best, if not the best, running backs in the National Football League. When you lose somebody like Drew Brees to an injury like that, I don't know how probable a return is. I would suspect it's it's on the 
the longer side of things rather than, you know, just a week or two, you know, for a sprained ankle or for a sore knee or a sore shoulder. No, it, it, it's nothing like that. I don't know if he will return at all this season. I'm, I don't know how you could. Moving on to the number one seed now, the Green Bay Packers. Packers. I really thought that they would kind of fall off this season. Didn't really add any weapons. Second year of a new, of, of Matt LaFleur. Maybe teams get a little bit more wise to what they're doing. And, and maybe they have. But the, the Packers have been able to execute at an unbelievable rate. Aaron Jones at running back performing unbelievably. Putting up career numbers. Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and leading that offense. Putting up career numbers. With who knows at wide receiver. Everyone gets hurt. Alan Lazard comes back this week but a revolving door of guys catching that football the defense putting up record numbers as well Zadarius Smith and company performing really well this is a team that makes me very excited I think that they're poised for a pretty serious playoff run a team that has that type of experience they have a pretty good amount of veteran leadership surrounded by some young players as well I think the Packers are a special team and could do some really great things this season in the AFC the number one seed is the Pittsburgh Steelers, 9-0. First place in the AFC North. Number two is the Kansas City Chiefs. First place in the AFC West at 8-1. The number three seed is the Buffalo Bills. They are first place in the AFC East. And the four seed goes to the first place AFC South Indianapolis Colts at 6-3. The wild card teams are the Oakland Raiders at 5 at 6-3. The Miami Dolphins at the sixth spot at also at 6-3. And then the seventh spot belongs to the Baltimore Ravens, also at 6-3. and three. Teams on the bubble in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans, the Cleveland Browns, and the New England Patriots, believe it or not. New England at 4-5, and five, both the Titans and the Browns at 6-3 and three records, respectively. I think things could get very interesting. The Browns lose a game a couple of weeks ago to the Oakland Raiders, or not the Oakland Raiders, but the Las Vegas Raiders. That may end up biting them in the butt going forward. The Miami Dolphins quietly making their way i'm really hoping that they can do some things this season in the postseason that is they've already done some things in the regular season Tua Tungavailoa, really great defense i think that they might be able to surprise some people but i don't think this is their season to go on a big run maybe next year the baltimore ravens have really been trending down they lose to new england they've had a couple of rough outings I'm not saying that's all due to the comments Lamar Jackson made a couple of weeks ago that we talked about on the show, but teams getting a little bit wise to their scheme, perhaps, or at least some of their bread and butter plays that they need to be able to operate their offense, I think, sure. I think something that's underrated in all of this is they never really found a replacement for Marshall Yonda. They kind of were just putting gum over that, over that leak, and they didn't really properly patch that hole up. And I think some of that is coming through right now. The defense, Clay's Campbell getting injured, obviously hurts them in that New England game. That was an area of emphasis for the Patriots that they kept exploiting and running the ball towards where Clay's Campbell would be. And he is just an absolute monster. So the sooner that they can get him back into the lineup, that would be better. They've also had a lot of issues with missing guys for a week or here or there but because of COVID and because of just injuries in general in the secondary. Two games ago, they were down to literally three or four cornerbacks in general. And there are some teams that play four cornerbacks on any given series. They, they're the majority of their defensive snaps, and they just had four in uniform because several guys went down with injuries. The Raiders are sneaky. 
They're very sneaky, and their matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs this week is very intriguing, one that I have circled, not only because the Raiders found a way to beat them, but because they could really put themselves in a in a nice spot with a win over the Chiefs, with two wins over the Chiefs. The Indianapolis Colts, I'm not surprised by this. I felt like reuniting Phillip Rivers with a lot of his old coaches from his days with the Chargers was going to lead to some success. They have a really great offensive line. They have a really great running game. And they have just enough targets. They've been missing T.Y. Hilton, but other guys have stepped up for this Colts team. And their defense has been unbelievable. Darius Leonard is such a special football player. I think Xavier Rose has been an underrated free agent signing by them at the cornerback spot. I'm still very impressed with the Buffalo Bills. They're on a bye this week. But 7-3, and three, it took to the final moments and an unbelievable Hail Mary play for the Cardinals to take care of the Bills. So they are not going to be an easy out. They're going to be a tough matchup in the playoffs. The Kansas City Chiefs, it's sort of self-explanatory. They're unbelievable. Patrick Mahomes and... Andy Reid, and the way that they can concoct those offenses is crazy. His ability to execute is unmatched in the NFL. And it doesn't matter to who it is. It's not as if, well, if you shut down Tariq Hill, you got this Kansas City offense right where you want him. Nope, you just have three or four other guys to deal with. Maybe five other guys to deal with. Because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire catches the ball very well. Travis Kelsey catches the ball very well. Sammy Watkins. You, you're never you're never finished. You're never done. They also have Le'Veon Bell. There's some other receivers that... Their names are escaping me at the moment, but they're unbelievable. And then there's the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have been really impressive. Ben Roethlisberger misses an entire week of practice. He practices the day before the game, and and they just cruise to an easy victory over this. And I know it's the Cincinnati Bengals, but it's still pretty impressive, the fact that you can miss an entire week of practice and be that successful. The Steelers' defense has continued to show their dominance and show how they can rush the quarterback better than anyone in in the NFL. And maybe this is just me as a as a Steelers fan talking. I wish that they could run the football a little bit more consistently, but they're winning. They're winning handedly with this some of the quick pass games and, and just involving every receiver on the roster in some way, shape, or form. They seem to really like some of these motion plays and end-around handoffs to Chase Claypool or Ray Ray, Ray McLeod. So maybe they can manufacture those rushing yards through those ways, and, and that's good enough. Right now they're 9-0, so it would certainly say that I'm wrong for criticizing them for not being able to run the football. I think that the NFL playoffs, assuming that things sort of stay on course and we don't have a bunch of mass cancellations due to COVID-19, the NFL playoffs are going to be very exciting. I think adding another wild card team is going to really spice things up. A lot of teams are, are going to be competing till the very end. I won't say that you won't see any games towards the end of the season with teams resting their players. Certainly without the bye week, some of those top seeds might look to do that to give guys a rest. However, there are a lot of teams that are going to be in it until the absolute end. You have some very tight races for those final couple wildcard spots. So these games at the end of the season are going to mean something to a lot of teams. So they'll be majority of clubs are going to be trying to qualify for the playoffs and get into the race. That will wrap things up for me on the Ineligible Man Downfield podcast. Hope you enjoy episode six. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at the letters I am and then the phrase downfield. Be sure to subscribe and like the show on all podcast platforms. Enjoy this weekend of football, everybody, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>